The content of this podcast is intended for an adult audience due to the nature of sensitive subject matter and topics. Welcome to the Romantic Truth Podcast. You may also visit us at romantictruth.org or on Facebook at Romantic Truth in the search. Now, without further ado, introducing Jorzen, the host of Romantic Truth from our studio in Las Vegas. Hi everyone, Jocelyn with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. Now, many of you discarded the moratorium and still wrote in. That's okay. Uh, we just had to cut down on the volume of emails, so I thank you much. Marketing company really did their job. Now, for those of you who want the address here, it's romantictruthpodcast at gmail.com. Something very simple. All right, now, here's what we're facing. Many of you have gone through Christmas empty. You realize, many of you, that you're in the same position you were in when COVID lockdown took place. You don't like it. Airfare is expensive. The weather is crap. Your flights can be canceled at any time. It was a mess. Some of you are with your relatives, with your family and friends. Others of you chose not to do a damn thing but stay at home. And there's nothing wrong with that. The holidays is when you realize one, how lonely you are, how isolated you are, how depressed you can be, and also what you mean to people. Now, the reason why I say this is because um, Lisa wrote a pretty interesting email today. And I'm going to read it to you. And she's out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. I don't know when you're going to get this, but it was very cold up here. Bitter cold. I finally got my divorce finalized with my husband, August of this year. Haven't seen my folks, so decided to fly to Fort Wayne to visit. Got into town. And one thing I noticed... My family had changed a lot, more than I actually thought on Facebook or on the phone. My youngest sister is dating a black guy, and the family is at arms about it. Well, I went to her defense, and now I'm one of the black sheep of the family. They really love my ex-husband. But what they don't know about are the numerous hospital bills I had to pay out of my 401k. What they don't know is about the times I had to go to ER because he had broken my collarbone. 
He had broken my jaw in five places. Those times when I would lie to them and tell them I couldn't make it because I was working. No, I was in a hospital or at home convalescing. And I went through the whole cycle of him getting angry, beating my ass, going out cheating on me, then coming back home, apologizing, only for him to beat my ass again and go through the cycle. This was a routine. I was stupid. I stayed with her from age 16 all the way up until I was 30. And then I thought it was time for me to leave. I ran away and we were separated for a while. My dumb ass came back and married him at 32. Now I'm 44 and finally got the bastard out of my life and system permanently. My kids hate me and him, and they're not speaking to either one of us. I own that part of the relationship that I ruined. My daughters wouldn't speak to me because I didn't have a backbone, and they won't speak to their father because he was a brute. When I explained this, during Christmas dinner to my family for the first time, no one, and I mean no one, believed me. When they saw us, we were so happy together. They have no idea. I'll never forget one night I told him I was pregnant. I was a teenager then and he didn't want to hear it. He beat me until I was unconscious on the floor. And I remember his boot on my throat, telling me he could snap my neck with just one step. After looking at my family more objectively, I've made some decisions. One, I don't want to be a part of this cult of racism that I've been in all my life. I'm bringing my sister back to Seattle with me and we can start our lives over again. I haven't started dating, but I have my sights set on a couple of people. But I realize now, I don't have a family. I have a group of like-minded people that are very small in their thinking. And unless you fit into their box, you're obsolete. Lisa. Lisa, um, you're right. You're absolutely right about what you've done. And no worries can apologize for what happened to you. A lot of you ladies have gone through a hell of a lot of trauma. And it's like most of the women I meet are either in bad marriages, bad relationships, living with someone, and they can't really be free even though they want to be, or they're in a situation where they've been so battered and bruised that emotionally, many of them haven't worked on themselves. 
after the trauma. I can't tell you how many women that I've met who survived breast cancer, uterine cancer, and their husbands and boyfriends left them during that time when they really needed them. You know, it's really messed up that with men and women, you can't get sick with certain people or they will end the relationship. What was really funny, I was listening to a lady today on a live, and she says, well, if I marry a man and his dick can't get up anymore, he's just got to accept the fact that I'm gonna be out there cheating because I gotta get my needs met. And then I asked her, I said, well, what if you're out there cheating and getting your needs met and you get T-boned in a car and you're paralyzed from the waist down? And what if he's healthy? The first thing out of her mouth, don't be wishing the evil on me. People only think out of their own convenience is what I'm saying, folks. Now, here's the problem for many men, for you ladies, 40 plus that stay in marriages too long and relationships too long, and you don't really address the problem. Some of you get so paranoid that you feel as though you're still fighting that same battle. Others of you sometimes are so, it's like you're so anal about everything because you may not have had control in your relationship. And that's one thing that you'll probably need. But in order to get that, guess what you might have to do? Not actually get into a relationship, but just get into an arrangement with the person. Now, this is what I want to bring up. What is an arrangement? An arrangement is different from a hookup, a casual situation. An arrangement is like a perennial meeting of two people, consensual adults. Now, here's the thing. No backstory, no nothing when these people meet. They have an arrangement, they set a time and schedule, and they don't even communicate with each other until that event comes up, and it could be annual. They could be going to a conference or something like that. And each person is responsible for being there. Now, there are no punishments. There's no penalties for one person not showing up and the other one's there. It's more like an as-is situation. So if you don't feel like going to meet that person this year, or you can't, no ifs, ands, and buts. But here's the thing. 
you could let them know that they're not that you're not coming. You don't have to explain the terms for the reason you're not. Now the reason why these arrangements are set up like this is because of the fact that they want to thwart disappointment. And what they do basically is if you're supposed to be in one town to see them for whatever reason, like for instance, it's a conference. For instance, you guys would meet at this conference every year. Well, this year, she's not showing up. And she may say say something to the effect of, can't make it. Well, with that, he can go on and make other plans with someone else there at the conference. But the whole thing is not to be in too much communication. And the reason why these people don't want to do this is because they don't feel as though it has to get that deep. The relationship should be on the surface. It should be one of those things that could be easily expended or resolved or dissolved, provided that both parties agree. Now, why isn't communication emphasized in these kind of situations? Well, see, with a relationship, communications is emphasized heavily because of the fact that you will need that in order to make the relationship flourish. You're not nurturing a relationship with an arrangement. The only thing you're doing here is just making sure that you're available during that time that you specified with as minimal amount of communication as possible. The reason for that, you don't want the dialogue to go beyond anything clinical. You just want to go there, take care of your business as a couple. After you've done that, you two are total strangers and you go on with your life. It's very clinical. There is nothing, no mushy stuff, and that's the reason why some people who get into these do not communicate on a regular basis, on an unnecessary basis. When they do, it's just about the clinical side of meeting. Are you coming to town? Will you be there at this time? Okay. That's as far as it goes. It's none of this shit about, well, you know, I missed you. Uh, Can't wait to see you. None of that. The reason being, these people want to avoid any kind of emotional attachment to the person. Especially if they're living out of state, across country. And this practice is kind of fading out. Because you got meet me apps now to do the same thing. Which are more efficient. Now, the other thing too. People treat you according to what they think you're worth, as we know. Some people will first say, well, is it worth me knowing this person? And then later on, after they see that they passed up someone who's valuable, now all of a sudden they're digging for this person like they would a lottery ticket after they've drawn it away. Please keep in mind, many of these people are very, extremely superficial. The majority of people you will meet in your life We have nothing to do with your future, nothing to do with your success, but more to do with your downfall. And the reason for this 
is because of the fact that's the incentive that they see in you before they'll see the incentive of doing something where you can flourish and they can flourish. That's a common mindset that some people have. And again, like I said, the word common, that is debatable. Because there's some that don't consider that common. Just like with common sense. But here's what I will tell you. In these types of uh, situations, you're going to wind up with no more than about 10 people in your life outside of your family that you will probably be able to trust on the same level or greater than your family members. The rest of those people you're going to meet are going to just be in the way. Now, another thing too, if you're going out with someone and they're interrogating you with the questions about how much you make, what kind of car you drive, etc., etc. Don't go through that humiliation. Just say, hey, you know what? Why don't we do this? Why don't we end the date now? So that we could both walk away with our dignity. And it's okay to do it, ladies. A lot of you don't do it. When a guy asks you a whole bunch of questions about your money, your lifestyle, your house, and all that. Well, here's the thing. You shouldn't ask that either of him. You bring money into the conversation, ladies, you're going to lose every time. Unless you have a weak man that's trying to prove a point. Unless you have a gamma male that's trying to go out there and act like an alpha. And he's going to break the bank for you. But you're not going to respect him because he's going to have you on a pedestal and you can kick him in the teeth at any time. You want a man that's a challenge, like the alpha. Good luck with that, ladies. Many of you fail with that guy. Because you don't keep the alpha that attracted you. What you've done now is you've taken that alpha out of that environment and you've brought him home if he decides to come home with you to be, be your man. And he's going to take on a Delta's role if he gets in a relationship with you. Meaning that all of that clout that he had out in the street, he's got to forfeit that. And that's the drug that a lot of men can't resist. Because you're out there, you got that ego going, you got a downline of people that are looking up to you, you got a pretty good job, money's coming in, you get comped in the clubs, the casinos, and places. And you can have any kind of woman on your arm you so desire. And you know damn well if you forfeit that by getting serious. You've lost everything. And these guys are not willing to go down like that. They'll be willing to have a woman who's permissive while he's screwing other women. She's just going to sit down on the sideline and not say anything. And if she complains too loudly, her ass is bumped. You see, 
all of this is based on falsehoods of expectations. That's all it is. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Years ago, in the 80s, remember all those rap songs? See, before, when rap first started out, there was no gangster rap. It was brag rap, basically. Sugar Hill Gang talking about rapper's delight, how much money they had to bank, how they had the car, the jet, and all of that shit. Then you had Curtis Blow talk about the breaks. He was talking about the breaks in life. And the old guard wasn't thinking about violence during that time, on that level. However, the younger generation thought, hey, this is a good way that we could express our rage and anger. But here was the problem with that. Even though we had that gangster rap, many of the people who started it were not gangsters. So what we got was sold an image, a lifestyle. And they bought into it. And these guys went out and tried to live the life that these guys sang about, only to get locked up due time and fuck up their lives. Ladies, juxtaposition. What are these women doing now? What are these female rappers doing now? They're making money. Because all of these hardcore women were strippers. In other words, people climbing up a pole, crawling across the stage to get money from men. So, this is supposed to be their revenge. So they become the boss bitch, the more masculine type of woman. Even though they sell that image on TV and in the videos, but these women are housewives and mothers. When I saw Meg the Stallion cry the other day on that one tape, Dr. Bell getting shot in the foot. I shared a dance. The guy made her dance. I know some women in LA, right off of Colton Avenue in LA. If you pulled a gun on that woman, you'd better either get out of town or dig yourself a grave. If you'd have shot her, she wouldn't have gone on TV crying. She said, oh no. I got to get him. What I'm getting at, folks, is this. They're selling your lifestyle that they're not living. And besides, who the fuck wants to live a lifestyle like that? If you got that kind of money that they're making in, who would want to live that lifestyle? They sell you the lyrics that are written by men, by the way. Mostly. And how about women? So, that game they're spitting... It comes from a dude's mind and heart. Because they got a niche. A whole bunch of black women out there looking to be in control, looking to be in charge. But don't feel bad. They did it with white women and all the rest in different categories and different genres. Remember all those G.I. Jane movies and all those movies where it was considered a chick flick? 
tiempo. Yeah, a lot of them support women's rights, but some of the shit that some of these groups are pushing, they're not down with it. And sometimes we fail to realize that they use the vehicle of fantasy to get to our reality. Basically, our reality to them is our wallets and pocketbooks. I told you, the more sensitive you are, the easier it will be to irritate and to manipulate you. We'll talk more in a moment. Now, the trust issue is one of the most common things that people have issues with. They've been hurt before. They don't want to trust anyone with their feelings. They don't want to trust anyone with any vital information about them. They may even be so paranoid as to not put their information online, even though they want to be on a dating app to just put their name up there, maybe their email just to set up the account, and a photo. It depends. But see, the problem you run into sometimes with people with trust issues, they may be also paranoid. And you got to decipher the two. Because here's the thing. When a person says they have trust issues, that means that they've recognized that insecurity. Now, what that also may tell you is that that insecurity has a good piece of real estate in their lives when it comes down to controlling them. That means controlling their decisions and those kind of things. And many times these people are easily spooked or scared by certain responsibilities there are certain situations they're facing. Let me give you an example. I met this lady at a gathering one time through a mutual friend. And she saw me, I saw her. She was an attractive, gorgeous woman. She was older. She was about maybe 43. And I was like 25 or 26 at the time. Probably a little bit older. And we just locked eyes. She had this beautiful, beautiful, deep brown tan. And she had the gray hair, i never forget it. And she had gray eyes. And we started talking. And she sat down and she said, well, I hope you don't mind me sitting here because I don't know anyone here. Well, I only knew two people there, and that was the host that had the party and one of the other ladies that I had worked with in the past. And I reassured her that it was okay. I introduced her to the host, and she was invited there by a coworker. Well, we sat there for a minute, and we talked about the atmosphere, got her some champagne, got her some hors d'oeuvres. And so we're sitting there talking. And I was noticing the way she clutched her purse. I mean, her purse, she had that thing. If it was an animal, it would have died. And I told her, I said, you need to relax. I see the veins in your fingers. 
And she smiled and she was kind of embarrassed. She looked down and she said, yeah, I guess you're right. I'm just kind of nervous and anxious. And she was sitting at the edge of her seat. And I said, you need to sit back and relax a little bit. And she was like, I'm sorry. I said, no, there's no need to be sorry. You don't have to apologize to me. Apologize to yourself for being so tight. Well, what I found was that as we started speaking, it took a while, but we finally got to the conversation of relationships. At that time, I had just gotten out. Yeah, just, well, I was older than 25. just got out of my marriage. Just got out of it. And I was telling her about divorce. And she was telling me about divorce, educating, on, educating me, because she had gone through it prior. And I could tell that she still had trust issues. And we were talking, and she said, well, you know, uh, I don't think I could ever trust another man again because my husband cheated on me with a close friend of mine. And I said, oh, it's not that bad. You'll, you know, shoulder, shoulder through it, you know, soldier through it. And she goes, uh, well, I don't know. And then she said, you're a very nice young man. I said, you're a very nice, mature woman. And she kind of looked at me with her eyes. She didn't know what to say. I said, I know you thought I was going to say young lady. I said, I respect the fact that you've got your stripes out there. You've earned them. But at some point, you got to give yourself a chance because you haven't. And so they started playing a slow song. And I asked her, I said, do you like to dance? She's like... No, I don't dance. I said, did you go to the prom? No, no one took me to the prom. And I stood up, and I got her by the hand, and I said, everybody, welcome. And I called out her name, which was my name, nameless here. But I called out her name. Everybody stopped. They clapped, and they welcomed her. And I told her, I said, well, we're going to dance. And so we did. And she was so nervous. She was looking around. And I told her, don't worry. Now, I want you to imagine. We're dancing. She has a clutch purse. What she does, she puts the clutch purse in my jacket. When I say in the jacket, I'm talking about the jacket still button. She puts it in the front, and then she leans as close and as hard to me as possible so that she had both hands free. And so if anything were to happen, she would have access. The only thing she had to do is just lean back, clutch the purse, falls down, she picks it up, and she's out. But that didn't happen. We danced. And then she started opening up, and she started laughing, and she started telling me I needed to meet her children and her family. And I met her kids. Teenage kids... Daughter was 18, son was, I think, 17. Beautiful, bright kids that went on to do very well in the medical profession. The daughter cracked me up. When I met her daughter when I came over, she had a calculus problem. Now, I'm no genius. And I looked at the damn thing. I got tired when she was writing it out. 
And she says, well, do you think it could be this? And then she goes out and does. And I said, uh, uh-uh. I said, you may need some help on this. I said, but I wouldn't be the guy to do it. So she went on. And then after she found the answer to it at school, she came back and said, let me show you this for the record so that you'll know next time. And I appreciated that. And her mother was kind of embarrassed that she was doing that. And then her mom and I finally sat down and had a heart to heart. And she said, well, I can't trust another man, especially a younger man like you. And I told her, I'm not going to be here to make you uncomfortable. I will go. Well, I went on, left. She started dating a few more other men. And of course, her prophecy was fulfilled. The guy tried to take advantage of her on the date. And, oh boy, she told me about it. She was really upset. And I told her, I said, well, You trusted this guy for some reason. What was it? She said, well, I thought I could trust again. And I asked her a tough question. I said, if you don't mind me asking you, what backgrounds were these people that you dated after me? What do you mean by that? I don't want to state the obvious. And then she goes and she says, well, the one guy when I went after you, the first guy was a Hispanic guy, the next guy was a white guy, and the last guy was a white guy. And I said, and you also are a white female. And she said, yeah, but what does that have to do with anything? I said, you're missing the point, my dear. I said, now, would not let me get the first base with you as far as even a conversation beyond the scope of meeting your family. And I appreciate that you have a wonderful family. I said, but when it came down to dating me, what did you use? You didn't use race. You used my age, right? And she's like, yeah. I said, so how old were these guys? She says, they were in their twins. And she caught herself because all of them were in their 20s. But here's the thing. She had a more of a racial bias towards them over me. And she was afraid that I was going to do something inappropriate. So her trust issue was triggered by the environment in which she grew up in down in Orange County, which was around very few, if any, blacks. So would she be classified as racist if she's never had exposure to her people, never got a chance to know them? I think not. I think that would fall more in the lines of ignorance than it would race. I made her uncomfortable. And I said, well, we can be friends. And she said, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. She said, she pointed out something that I really need to look at. We had lunch one day. She invited me over. 
And she said, you are absolutely right. She said, because my parents, they didn't really have any interaction with black people. And she talked about her grandmother who hated black people. And so kind of got what the gist was. She spent time with grandma as well. So her bias was based on that. Her complicit bias was based on the fact that I was a black man. Even though she thought she was being fair about it. But it still came down to she didn't trust me or anyone that looked like me. Now, you're going to have these problems no matter how you look at it with people. As I told you, legislature cannot regulate what goes on in people's hearts and minds. But now we also have to look at another thing with this trust factor. Similarities in environment, situation, and behavior. All of these will impact a trust issue with a person. These can all be triggers. I'll give you a case in point. You know when we watch a horror movie and we see the girl running away from the monster? What are we expecting her to do? To trip, hurt her ankle. It's always her ankle. It's never like she falls and grabs her forehead or grabs her right breast, grabs her buttocks. She's got to grab that ankle. And of course, the monster has closed in on her, the killer, whoever. This is what we expect. Our expectations are set in this realm. So, what are we looking for? Most people look for something that would not fall in the complicit bias category. We're not looking for the same thing that we expect to see. She's going to contribute to the axe murderer killing her. But we have to look at that and think about this in the context of relationships sometimes of people that we try to interact with and deal with. Because our trust is predicated on our perception of that person being a threat of some sort. You know, it's funny. I have a friend of mine who's African-American. He's in his 30s. And he does not trust groups of black men. He would never be around them. He got traumatized before. He got beat up one time. And so he never hangs around groups of black men, especially the younger ones. It varies. People have their own preferences based on past experiences that leads to the trust issues that they have about people of certain races and backgrounds. A lot of times we think of a racist, a person as a racist that says they don't want to be around black people or whatever, minorities. They're more of a separatist when they want to separate. When they want to annihilate, then that's when you're talking about someone that's a supremacist, someone that's wants to knock everything out now. We have separatists in the black community and other minority communities. 
This is our hood. This is our community. This is our culture. Well, that's a separatist act. No matter whether you're a minority or not, you're separating everybody else from what you want for yourself. Now, but here's the thing we ought to also look at. When it comes down to a situation where we're not familiar if we are offending someone or hurting someone. And for instance, we find out we do. Then we don't trust ourselves to go in and be so proactive in interactions or intermingling with people. What I mean is, take for instance, you may have a conversation and the guy may say, yeah, you know, I'm just a white boy and you're just a black boy. And they didn't mean any harm by saying it. But by them saying it, it triggers people just like the N-word does. Now, here's the thing that we have to realize. When it comes down to trust in general, it's predicated on perception. If a woman has been assaulted in her earlier life by an African-American man, she may still be traumatized by that and may not trust black men, therefore not date them. Not because she may not be attracted to them or may not like them, but it's, she's got to separate what actually happened to her from the rest of the people. The trauma and the circumstance from the group And that's the hardest thing for people to do. Because once something happens to us, it's a us against their mindset. And it makes trust that much more difficult. Now, what shakes our trust? What shakes it? Any sort of inconsistency. any sort of inconvenience to some degree. We don't want turbulence. We want results. And that can be challenging. Because sometimes it doesn't work out the way we'd like to. Now, other kind of trust issues that you'll be contending with in relationships. Let's take a break. We'll talk about them in just a second. Now, one of the trust issues that's most common for people to have to contend with if they're dealing with someone to date is that of cheating. Now, couple of things about people with trust issues, and this happens more often than you think, especially with females. They may have been cheated on in past relationships or hurt emotionally, and throughout that time they haven't really trusted anybody or trusted themselves to date anymore, because see, there are levels of trust that have been breached, not just that trust between she and her partner who cheated on her, but also that trust between 
herself and her own judgment to choose a partner that cheated on her. See, a lot of people don't think about that, but these women, they kick themselves for poor decisions. They do this a lot, and they overthink things too much. And that is problematic for them. And then they wind up choosing the wrong guy. And now they're mad. The guy cheats on them. Or doesn't want to have anything to do with her or betray her. Then now, he's the bad guy. But ladies, let me also tell you something. A man will never trust you if you have too much baggage. We're going to get back to what I talked about just a second ago in a minute. A man is never going to trust you if you have too much baggage. If you're in a complicated relationship, still married, got a boyfriend that you're breaking up with, and now you're reaching for a new guy, you may think it's okay to trust him because he's something new. That guy's looking at you like a damn fool. He sees you nothing more than a QPA. Quick piece of ass. And that's it. That's as far as it goes. And you're sitting there thinking it's normal for you to have all this bullshit going on in your life and just take it to anybody and they're supposed to accept it. Because you wouldn't accept those circumstances from a man. And what we're doing now, most men are making women be accountable for that. If you're coming to me with a plate full of shit, don't complain about the plate full of shit that I have as well. It used to be where the women were leveraging things, but a lot of them now are bringing in existing relationships. Like I told you, the majority of women that I've met online, on Hinge, OkCupid, on Plenty of Fish, on Bumble, on all of these sites, a good percentage of them, I would venture to say about 13% have been married. I can't tell you how many are still in relationships because they're cohabitating with people. And even though they try to say they're single, they're not single. They're stuck. They're looking for that next ticket out of that mud hole that they put themselves in called a relationship. Can't tell you how many times I've run across that. Or you have the women who can't pay their own bills. But if you can give me some nails and give me some... I'm not t- I'm not sending you to the beauty shop. Beauty parlor, fuck that. You should be able to take care of yourself. That'd be like me asking you to take me to the barbershop. Ain't happening. Now, here's the thing. Let's take out that line of thought that we started with. So she has that issue of this guy potentially cheating on her. And fellas, this is when I say, when I say this in particular, what these women will do, if they haven't been with a guy in a while because they had to kind of get over being used the way they were, they're still upset. A lot of times they don't want to go to therapy. So they'll go and they'll self-medicate. Now, they find you and they like you. 
what she's going to usually do is ask for a commitment from you as soon as the relationship started as close to the front of it as possible. The reason being, she wants to go and satisfy that itch of those trust issues she has. You know, I've always told you, what do people have to do with insecurities? They have to manage them. And this would be her way of managing them. Let me get this insecurity out of the way so it won't fuck up the relationship. Now, once she's got that commit that commitment from you, she could breathe a little bit easier because she was cheated on before by the guy. But here's the thing. She probably didn't have a commitment from you. Or if she did, she's going to ask you to make another step in some other kind of way. Usually people that have trust issues will raise their boundaries higher for the next person that comes in their lives. Like the woman who had had those children telling me that she was now celibate and I'd have to wait until we married before we could have sex. And I told her it made no sense being that those two guys got some good pussy from you and you're going to sit up there and give me the tail end bullshit. I know it pissed her off. I intended to. Because it was insulting. You can go and do that immaculate conception shit somewhere else. I'm looking for a relationship. I'm not looking for a therapy project. A lot of people don't like hearing that either. But it's true. Ladies, men don't want to work on you like you're a project. The reason why some of these men call you crazy when you guys are arguing, sometimes you display that. Doesn't mean that it's valid. Because many of you haven't gone and gotten help before you got into the relationship. You're already damaged and you go right into another one. Men are damaged as well. But here's the problem with us men. A lot of them don't emote and don't know how to express themselves and don't try. They will let that shit build up and then before you know it, the police is knocking on your door saying that your husband went to work and killed 20, 30 people. That's not right either. By no stretch. So getting these people to actually start opening up and ladies, I can't tell you this, but hope, look, over and over again, it comes down to a man needs to feel comfortable with a woman he can trust, one that he can emote with, one that has integrity, that's going to do the things that she said she's going to do without excuses, or at least a without at least a plausible explanation. There are a lot of men with trust issues, ladies. A lot of us. Because we can't be vulnerable to anybody else. Can't be vulnerable to another man. He's going to eat your lunch. Can't be vulnerable to a woman. She'll tease you. And so what most men do is hold that shit inside. I was talking to a transgender friend of mine that I used to work with years ago. And this person 
I said something that was pretty interesting. I said that when he was going through the transition, there was a person that was going through with him, and they treated it like it was a, a club, so to speak. And there was about six people at the facility at the time going through this change in life for them. And he said, I'll never forget the one person said that the reason why they wanted to get to transition was because women lived better than men. And he got tired of being a man and taking on the responsibilities. He felt as though it was his time in order to reap the rewards. There are other reasons why people did that, but the one thing this friend told me was after he heard that, he could never respect that person again. It had nothing to do with their internal strife. It had to do with economic position. And what this person was telling me was that how they could trust people at face value at first, and then after they made the transition, they couldn't. Now, this person's wife, when he was a biological male, stayed with him through the marriage. Went on and had children together. Well, they had children before they married. And the kids went on to accept him. They're still married to this day. But here's the thing that I want you to take away from this. Was that they have gone through something that society had put against them, such as their gender transformation. And just because they were in that group of six, they thought that, okay, everybody here is on the same page. Only to find out that there were even people with different agendas there that had the surgery for different purposes. And so, that sort of... uh, holistic trust that people have sometimes that just because you're taking up my cause, I can trust you? Mm-mm. Nope. Nope. Let me tell you something about my trust issues. When a person comes up to me and tells me they're a Christian or that we're both black, I already know that person's trying to fuck me over without even saying it. I run as far away from them as I can. just didn't appeal to me at all. I look at it as a threat instead of an invitation. Now, other things. There are things that will be coveted in a relationship, meaning that that partner will not ever trust you to reveal those things. Or, I mean, reveal those things to you. Now, what this means is that, you know, I talk a lot about the character, behavior, situation, an X-Factor, this falls under the X-Factor category. These are the things that a partner would never reveal to you, at least not personally. They might do it under therapy, but even if they did it in therapy, they may not want you to really know about this stuff. So the therapist may know about what's going on, but when you go in there for your session with the therapist or the joint session, you don't know, you're clueless. Now, 
There's some things that you guys have revealed in these emails over the years that made my hair stand up. And uh, I can't, you know, post judgment on you. You're your own individuals. Your own individuals. There are grown people walking around this country right now. Probably could have been breeding. And they don't know it. A lot of things that happens. Grown ass people walking around and not knowing about their past and their history based on the lies and distrust the family had or the family members and friends. That's one of the reasons why, folks, some of you get on me about not reading your email. Some of the stuff I can't read because there's still repercussions where, who knows, somebody somebody may want to sue their parents because... They found out that they were not born by their own mother instead of by somebody else or the mother that reared them. So, trust issues run deep. So there'll be these things in this Area 51 of the relationship that you won't be able to, uh, I won't feel comfortable disclosing. Or you may think it's not the right time. And you take your time before. And it makes all the difference in the world. Now, there are some other things that we have to look at too. And that is... when we don't disclose things to our partner, we have to ask ourselves why, or why not? And usually that question is, would it ruin the deception if I told my partner X, Y, Z about my past, or about something I was exposed to, about something I did? And what are you weighing it against? You're weighing it against the revelation and the shock and the reaction versus the calmness of not telling. Trauma versus calm. Now, there's some people that want to get it out the way. And they're right. I'd rather be discomfortable telling the truth one time than repetitively go through the discomfort of telling a lie at thousands. But it's up to the person. Other trust issues. Believe it or not, consistency. Uh, quality. 
Honey, did you check the back door? Yes, I did. And then all of a sudden she gets up and checks it again. Now, sometimes these trust issues morph into maybe psychological disorders, emotional disorders. I had a friend of mine and his wife used to always double check everything he did. And it used to annoy the hell out of me and Monica when we would go out with them. He would go and he would, you know, leave a tip. What she would do is immediately open up the portfolio, open up the book, and she would obsessively, obsessively read the ticket. And then she would count the money, recount the money, put the ticket back in there, close the portfolio, open it up again, and go through that same process until that guy picked it up. We caught on to what was going on, and he noticed that after he started dating her. And one day, he just told Monica and I, he says, you know, this is really crazy. He says, she not only does that with that, she does this with the other things in the house. And when he mentioned that, you know, she may, she go and look at going to the therapist. Oh, she went off on him. That was the coup de grace. Now, here's the thing that we have to also consider. When we're dealing with a person that has uh, trust issues, they may also have accompanying abandonment issues. If they find someone they can trust, they'll become very clingy, obsessive. They want to hang on to you for their life. And the bad thing about this is that if you fail them, and fail them I mean by meeting their expectations in any category, then all of a sudden you're just like the rest of them. It's a weird dynamic. They may accuse you of cheating when you haven't cheated. This is a common thing. They may accuse you of things without really going through thoroughly and listening to any other rationalization. They will discount everything as an excuse that you will say beyond what they believe. And this is the problem you have with these believers. Believers are people who believe in intuitive thinking only. They don't need logic. They don't believe in it. There's no need for it. Intuition helps you with your survivability, but intuition is not something you want to live off alone. Too much of that living leads to anxiety. So, because you're always reacting. Intuition. Somebody yells out, duck, what do you do? You duck down without even looking. Intuition. Split-second decision. Now, imagine yourself living a life 24-7. 
split-second decisions every time you do something. Turn on the shower. Got a duck. That kind of thing. That the way, where you out get you old real quick. So we have to be a little bit more cognizant when we look at relationships where we got to see if they're going to work. We got to be very, very um, adamant on our assessment when we talk to people, get to know them, see if there are any quirks, those kind of things. Now, here's the thing. Nobody's looking for perfection. And fellas and ladies, if that person tries to qualify something that's obvious with nobody's perfect, nobody asks for perfection. That's something a loser tells a referee before they're going to lose the game. Because that loser's self-esteem so long if they told the coach they'd be kicked off the team. Don't do it, people. You just go on and see if you guys can match. I've dated a many women. <clears throat> I've dated a many women with trust issues. It's nothing to play with. It's no joke. And there's some extreme measures that it can go to. From accusing you of things all the way to not dating you because you look like somebody that betrayed them in the past. They may become very insecure wanting you to text them three, four times a day to make sure that you guys are still in a relationship. But I will tell you the one thing you will need to watch for sure is the level of anger in these people. Because don't be surprised if they lash out physically. Some do. They may not be able to get the person they want, the situation they want. It could very well be that this is the way they deal with frustration. Now, another element of people with trust issues we'll talk about in just a moment. Now, one thing that should be established here, when we talk about trust issues, it's a very ambiguous area. It can cover everything from emotional distrust, personal distrust. It varies. So it's a complex set of things that you're going to have to understand about this. You know, it's nice to throw around these words, but we have to also realize that these words have meaning. And this kind of puts us in a sphere of, okay, one of these symptoms this person may display are trust issues. So let me find out where the core of this is. In other words, what this does, it gives you an idea emotionally 
of where this person is starting from or where they are. Because you will have to do this kind of work that people don't like doing in order to see whether this person's a viable match for you in a relationship. You don't know. So take for instance, you go on a date and you meet and a person casually says, you know, yeah, we could probably go out and have fun, but I need to let you know I do have trust issues. Trust issues like how? What are you talking about? Now, here's the thing. The first thing you need to ask someone when they said they had a clinical diagnosis of something, such as trust issues, bipolar, whatever, you don't want to be too presumptive. But you want to say something to the effect of, oh, so you're working with your therapist or your doctor? The reason why you're asking this question, you want to find out have they already reached out for help? They're cognizant of their issue. Did they reach for help? If it's yes and yes, there's a good possibility you could make it with this person in a relationship if everything else gels. It's your choice. However, I did tell you something like, I don't need a damn therapist. I already know because I looked it up on WebMD. That person, you're being for a rough ride. Because here's the problem. They're self-diagnosing, and guess what else they're doing? Self-assessing. So they become very centric in their thinking. You see, the one thing that you want to do is use other people as a measuring stick when it comes down to your self-perception sometimes. Ask your friends. In all seriousness, what do you think of me as a person? What do you mean what I think of you? No, seriously, what do you think? No, you're not my friend now. Just tell me how do you, what do you think about what you know about me? Now, there's still going to be some bias there. But here's the thing. You might have a more objective view, and that view that they may have of you may be better than the view that you had of yourself. So you could actually be doing better for yourself than you think. Now, another factor that we have to look at with this is that some people will call it, you know, trust issues. But it may not be. It could just be that they're so damn jealous and insecure that they're masking it by saying, yeah, I do have trust issues. But what they're actually saying is, I'm a jealous sociopath. And if I think that you're out of line or don't do do what I want you to do, there's going to be a problem. But you won't know until you talk to them. And if they shut down and say, well, you know, it's nothing to worry about. I take medicine for it. They try to become dismissive. I'm going to tell you now, the more dismissive they become, the more that problem is going to be a problem if it's not already for them. 
just telling you from what I've experienced, some of the women I've dated who've had conditions, ADHD, you name the condition. What it came down to is when they got to a point where they start marginalizing them, <coughs> start telling you, oh, I don't need to take my medication. That's when you got to start worrying. Seriously. That's when it gets crazy. Because at that point, mm-mm-mm. you don't know what you're dealing with. And don't let them come off the medications like the one lady that was bipolar did with me. She took the medication, took it off, quit taking it. Because she said when she was with me, she didn't need it. But I didn't even know she was bipolar. Because she was on a medication, she was stabilized. She got off that shit and it was not good. And I'll tell anybody, mm-mm, mm-mm. And don't be a guinea pig, fellas and ladies. And I'm not saying this to in any way deter you from dating someone, but I will tell you this personally. If your partner's on Haldol, Ritalin, Zoloft, Artane, or any of those, or Ripple Wheel, whatever the hell that medication was. If they're on any of those, Zoloft usually make you like a zombie. But if you're on any of those medications, let your partner know before you start dating. Guys, ladies, the reason why I say this in particular is because oftentimes people will think that they are cured and they quit managing the condition because they have someone in their lives, someone to preoccupy the boredom and everything else in it. And they think that that's the placebo that's going to help them with the rest of everything associated with them. Of course, they get it wrong. So please keep that in mind. If they're coming off the meds, taking off the meds, and they don't need them, and usually it's because I don't like the way it makes me feel. Well, that's a legitimate argument. You're not a doctor. But here's the thing I would say. I would take anything to make me feel alive. That's a hell of a lot better than dead. But as I said before, it's subjective and it's up to you. It's your life, not mine. So, what I don't want you to do as a takeaway from this is to think for a second that everything's going to be under one roof when it comes down to a person saying that they are have trust issues. That's just a broad description of what they consider they have. And it could be in a million different ways. And you're going to have to go in and fish it out and find out what it is. That's your mission if you decide to accept it, Mr. Phelps. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-
that's what you'll be faced with. And it's not an easy task because a lot of times when we get involved with uh, dealing with people, they won't let us in so far as to know what's really going on with them. And sometimes you guys will spend a lot of time, effort, money, and everything else and then find out, oh, damn, this is what I'm dealing with. Or ladies, you'll find out, oh, I don't think I can do this. Now, one of the biggest problems with trust issues for most relationships has to do with the person assuming that you are cheating on them. It's usually an accusorial type of uh, situation where they're blaming you or accusing you of cheating. They may accuse you of stealing. They may accuse you of all kinds of other things. Now, it doesn't mean that it's valid by no stretch if you genuinely didn't do what they accused you of doing. But in their belief system, it happened. And if they are at a point where they're paranoid and don't trust anyone, uh, you are anyone, even though you're with them. Another thing that you have to look at, especially 40 and up, potential for dementia, early onset of Alzheimer's. These things will happen as well. These things will happen as well. Now, with dementia, what happens, the brain shrinks. And um, that's a debilitating condition, just like, um, what you call it is, just like, um, I can't even get it out. Alzheimer's. Mm. <laughs> Looks like somebody needs to check themselves, right? I'm an old man. But no, seriously. Uh, we have to look at those kind of things, too, because uh, they play into the realm of this. Now, the other thing, too, to keep in mind is that through all of this, you have an opportunity in order to recognize the condition. It's nice if they tell you what they are going through, and sometimes you can see it. Now, there are some people who are fiercely independent. Those individuals usually, not always, but usually have had some sort of traumatic event in their lives. Maybe molested, maybe raped. It was something horrible where they really don't trust people anymore. These are people that will trust an animal over a person. So they'll get a dog over a girlfriend or a boyfriend. This is the way they work. Now, on this extreme measure, they may view people as completely flawed. 
and they may have a different perception of themselves as being perfect or excellent. Now, you see we have uh, tried to work out several things in our society. We're now acknowledging mental illness on a national level. Something that wasn't done before. People are ashamed. Now people are coming out with it. And that's a good thing. So this means that you're going to have more people reaching out for help. Meaning that you may wind up with somebody on a date and they are seeing a therapist. Don't judge them based on that. Because I'm going to tell you. At least that person had the sense to go where they needed help. Some people don't. And they'll sit there and languish. It totally depends. So folks, the one thing I want you to take away from this is nothing else. Trust issues are ambiguous. One, you will probably have to work with your partner and find out what that issue is, the core of it, that they perceive as trust. Three, ask them about questions in regards to past dating experiences in context to are you regretful or resentful for any choices you made in a partner in the past? I'm sure you'll hear that, but here's the thing that you're looking for. If it's unanimous and all of them are that way, we know where the problem is, right? Now, other things that we have to contend with. Medications, if they're taking medications and telling you they're taking medications, don't marginalize them, respect them and help them maintain whatever they're doing as far as it's legal and it's prescribed by the doctor. And provided that you could be happy with this person. Watch out for self-medicating people. I really personally think those folks are dangerous. Try to stay away from them. Now, well, she have besides self-medicators. You gotta deal with the hypochondriacs, of course. Um, there are some people out there that don't want to be around anybody else because they think that they're going to affect it by AIDS. Uh, you name it. You name it. They don't even have to be in the same proximity. In some cases, the same room. Very paranoid people. This may include germaphobes as well. So you see how broad this thing can expand. But what you have to do is break it down into smaller pieces and understand what particular idiosyncrasy they may have. That could be something very simple, something very easy. And again, it could be something highly complex. So, you're going to have to be flexible. And you're going to have to determine whether or not you have the stomach for a relationship of this nature. I want you to take care, folks. And we'll talk to you soon.
We at Romantic Truth appreciate your listenership. Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those solely of the host and are not condoned, or endorsed by Romantic Truth, Anchor or any of its affiliates. The advice given herein is the expressed opinion of the host and not to be used for legal, marital, or family, counseling, or for professional practice purposes, in the event for professional assistance. Please contact the local licensed professional family counselor, marriage counselor or social services professional in your region. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. Be advised that all of the background music of production not provided by Anchor is owned by James Adams and Jaws and One Music exclusively licensed for this Romantic Truth podcast under waiver. Please understand that there were no people or animals hurt in the segments of this show including plants. All sound effects were improvised in the studio setting with props. We are an equal opportunity employer with two Yorkie poodles and a rat terrier as the security detail. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.